Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast, where we cultivate greater insight and artfulness to our ever-evolving humanity. I talk with everyday people dealing with everyday challenges using timeless wisdom and knowledge through the lens of a regular meditation practice. In this podcast, we explore the nuances of the ever-increasing demand to change and how we can meet our condition and transmute it so that we can reveal ever more deeply our true nature. Hello to all the uh, One Giant Mind listeners out there. Uh, Johnny, I've got a question for you on your perspective of like when action becomes inaction. And I'd be keen to hear that on your take of when your eyes are closed and when your eyes are open. When action becomes inaction. Very interesting question. Well, it's my perspective that there is never inaction while we are dwelling in a body in the relative world. There is always some activity. In the Vedic language, it's referred to as karma. Karma means action. Specifically, action which binds, action which creates constraints. And as relative beings, and what I mean by that is souls inhabiting bodies that appear separate from each other with unique perspectives on what's happening right now. We're relative to each other. We are bound by constraints. And these constraints are what governs our evolution. And this is known as karma. So karma, and there's lots of different layers to karma, but we'll, we'll keep it simple for the purpose of this. Karma is the, the, the body of the universe. It is the constraints that lead us somewhere. And energy is being moved in a particular direction thematically. And the motion of this flow creates a quality of experience for all of the participants, all the relative aspects participating. And so action is always taking place. I mean, a synonym for the universe is actually karma or action. You know, to be incarnated means you're in activity. Now, having said that, when we meditate, we can have very deep experiences that we would describe as being very deep, which is also a relative term, deep relative to shallow, right? It's a reference point of that, that we make in order to understand what it was we just experienced in our meditation. We say we went really deep. And what we're describing there is a state of consciousness that can almost feel like it's inert, like it's actionless. The, re the reflection on it is like, I completely forgot that I was in a body, sitting in a chair, in a room, even in a, on a planet, almost in the universe. And yet, there was the faintest amount of awareness that that experience was happening. 
And it was like everything had gone into suspended animation. Everything just stopped. It was like there was almost no activity happening. And this is the closest that we come. And by the way, there are relative states of this experience as well. You can experience being quite aware and being in this unboundedness, as we describe it, where we don't feel boundaries and we lose sense of our relativity. We get non-local, non-localized. Is that what you'd call like samadhi or something? Or Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Samadhi is the experience of deep transcendence. And depending on what school of or tradition you lend yourself to or you devote yourself to, samadhi and the purpose of samadhi have different perspectives. The perspective that I live by is that samadhi is a place that you become immersed in to become established in yourself. And once samadhi is established with the eyes closed, then what we're seeking is to stabilize that state with our eyes open in activity. The purpose of samadhi or yoga is to create union. In samadhi, we experience the unity, the unboundedness of the self. And yoga was always understood as a practice, a system by which we could gain a state of consciousness. But that's not where it ends. Actually, that's where it begins. We get unity. And so to clarify for the listeners that don't know, yoga means union. Two things coming together. The individual self with the universal self. The ego structure merging with the structure of infinite consciousness, which is relatively structureless. And when we establish that experience with our eyes closed sufficiently and repetitively enough, we start to notice it appearing in our experience with our eyes open. And this is the name of the game. Yoga is a practice to get us into a state of consciousness for a purpose. It's, the purpose is not just to get into that state of consciousness. And that's why you know some people like to just absolve themselves of any responsibility of having a body and family and you know the capacity to meaningfully and powerfully participate in the world. They'd rather just uh, sort of renunciate. And, you know, for those individuals that really feel that, then that's their calling and that's fine. But generally speaking, it, it's a point of confusion. And it certainly was for me in my early 20s, understanding what it was all about. If what it's all about is like just becoming in total unity, then I have to rid myself of all of my worldly desires and my, my care for my body and all of these kinds of things in order to just go beyond it all all my attachments to all of these things needed to be completely dissolved in order for me to be free. And this is a gross misconception. Um, and thankfully, I had the teachers to, to point this out because I could have, to this day, still being, to this day, still trying to achieve that um, and reconcile my desire to be in the world would cause great conflict. And there are those that are experiencing that right now. So, the name of the game is to establish that 
sense of actionlessness and be in action. Mm. And you'll all constantly hear me talk about, you know, this principle of complexity, reconciling paradoxes, what appear to be paradoxes. You know, this is what this reality is made up of. The relative universe, what appears to be separate and other, is actually all just one thing. There's the greatest paradox that ca- of all time. Everything that appears to be separate is actually the one thing. Mm. And, and yet our experience is so convincing that we, appear, we are different from each other. But we are actually all made up of the same thing. And therefore we are the same thing. And for us to understand reality, we need to understand how we are the same thing as well as how we appear different. Mm. And when we can contain that in our awareness, when we can sense that, and that understanding is eminently knowable. In fact, it is a part of our design to know it. And in the absence of knowing it, we suffer. The root of suffering is simply the absence of knowingness of what we are in relation to each other and how to be, how to contain that in our awareness and, and allow that to be innocently expressed in every moment, freely, with each other. Mm. Easier said than done, but yeah. that is, that's the name of the game. Yeah, really interesting. I've actually found for me personally on my journey, when I think I know something, there's also a lot of suffering in that as well too. And uh, for me to drop the the knowing or the individual knowing of, of of myself and to let that go, that then there was a natural surrendering into the greater knowing as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say it would only be true knowing when suffering subsides. Because mm. in the light of knowing the truth of your own being, and your power and your beauty and your magnificence and your intelligence. Suffering cannot exist because all suffering is, is a belief that I am trapped and stuck in a container and I do not know how to get out. And it's very uncomfortable. Mm. It's, it's the belief that you, are, you don't have the power to change an undesirable experience. That's suffering. When we're in knowing, there are no constraints that absolutely keep us feeling trapped. There is always a gateway. There's always a pathway. There's always a doorway. There's always a way through and out into a more expansive state. And yeah, the great challenge for us humans is remembering that what we are by our nature is knowing. We don't have knowingness, we are knowingness. We don't have a soul, we are a soul. We don't have intelligence, we are intelligence. It's not something that we can switch on and switch off. It's just, it's just something that we either ignore or we pay attention to. And this is the best news for us <laughs> because the truth is we're always here. And always in action. Always in action. Yeah. We're always here and we're always in action. And it's always unfolding. Our potential is always unfolding. We're always evolving. Everything that's happening that feels like it's happening to us is actually happening for us. 
And that's what knowingness affords. And this is why it's so important for us to cultivate the sense of knowingness. Because it's the thing that frees us from the cycle of suffering. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so what is the, the type of knowing that you're referring to? Is it like... Yeah, you used a term. Yeah, so it was like more of the ego, it's sense of like I... You know, I, assumption, you're not in curiosity, basically. So, you know, as soon as I'm assuming, I've, I've shut down my own curiosity. I've basically determined a, a knowing, which then is creating a form of suffering because I'm not in a state of curiosity. So it's like I've gone from a, a subjective view of reality to an objective view of reality. And in that, I've, I've stopped myself from, a, like, knowing the true nature or, or connecting with it. So it's like being able to beautifully articulated. That, yeah, witness that within my own ego between yeah. those two states. Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, I, I would go back to that statement that that is not knowing. Mm. That is uh, a declaration of the intellect um, creating a, a, a defense mechanism. You know, if we get if, if we are rigidly self-righteous in our in our perspective of reality, um, it means that we are simply defending something, a vulnerability. I need to be right right now because if I don't understand this in this moment, it's too painful. Mm. It's too disorientating. And so as a survival mechanism, we start to impose these ideas on ourselves in order to just oh, temporarily alleviate. We, we tell ourselves untruths about things. And... Um, yeah, and this is, I mean, it's a beautiful part of your, your evolution that you're witnessing this now because this is where the real work gets done, where we start deconstructing these ideas that are ultimately delusions that actually create a distorted illusion of, of reality. And you are recognizing there is something deeper that you can surrender into, a deeper knowingness that you can surrender into. And that is the reliable source. That's the thing that not only provides you with accurate insight about what's going on, but alleviates the, 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 the thing you were defending, the vulnerability in the first place. You find the courage and the, the, the patience and the perseverance to sit in the discomfort and for it to be okay that you were wrong and I, that you weren't sure and that there is lots of other things I'm not sure about and that it's okay not to know everything to not appear to know everything, mm. to find comfort in that. And then what we have is just this easy, comfortable authenticity of our being. And we find ourselves eminently more relatable and therefore eminently more impactful. Mm. Our consciousness becomes so much more impactful if we're compassionate to ourselves in this way because we are that with, with others. Mm. Yeah, so it's a really beautiful thing that you, um, you shared there. Thanks for picking that up, Dan. Yeah, I think for me personally, my journey, because I was a veteran, so in the army for 10 years, uh, it was kind of a defense mechanism for me to not really be my feeling body. So like, you know, when I'm in that state of curiosity, I'm kind of like in critical thinking and in the feeling state as well. So it's like that union between the two states. But when I'm in the state of like knowing, I'm not in the state of feeling. It's like I couldn't be in both places at once. It was mm -hmm. kind of like just dominant in my right. area. Yeah. So let, let's replace that no, that term knowing that you're referring to yeah, yeah. that is devoid of feeling yeah. because knowingness is all of it. Yeah. It's, it's, the, the mind is actually in a deep state of surrender 
to the intelligence of the heart, where our intuition floods from. Yeah, so it's more of attachment. So it's like an attachment to an idea or, or yeah. a single perspective of knowing. Yeah, intellectual yeah. reckoning. Yeah. That's all it is. Is yeah. you know we we use our intellect as a um, as an anchor to keep a rigid, steady track forward, but it's so incredibly unreliable mm. and it's constantly breaking and it's constantly bending and often if we use it for too long it just gets obliterated and we're left with nothing people think it's a safety rail or a safety mechanism the intellect actually it's the most unsafe thing to lean on it's like walking down a very steep set of stairs and you're putting all your weight on it eventually it's going to give in and you are going to go tumbling down those stairs and i'm sure you've had the experience state. yeah that's great it was like liberation yeah like yeah like, yeah you know there was an absence of suffering there was definitely liberation in that yeah yeah it's beautiful crumbling yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a welcome world yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but in the in the time in the moments that it was happening it wasn't that fun yeah, no no right yeah, it's so great that you can look back on all those experiences yeah. and just go, yeah, it was so necessary. And that's yeah. that's the place to well, be. I had the I had the awareness at the time when even when I was in that darkness, due to the other darkness that I'd been through, that there was like a wasn't a, a, a like an easiness to stay with it. Yeah. Like my partner wasn't thinking that at the same at the time. She's like, What's up with you? And I'm yeah, like, yeah. It's cool, I'm just crumbling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're doing this again, it's all right. So, yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Well, it's obvious that you've been around the uh, garden path a few times. Yeah, I think the conditioning from the military system and from being a soldier is pretty intense for the mind and the body. So it's like if a soldier wants to unwind that in this life, that they're going to have to face some things, yeah. Yeah. It's a massive thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Thank you for answering my question. My pleasure. Hopefully like, it was helpful. Um, I really Useful. did. I really learned something, so thank you. Oh, good. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast, and I hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice, One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind being technique, both in person and online. And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free learn to meditate app it's called one giant mind it's got a 12-step course that'll get you started and if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world we strongly encourage you to check out our one giant mind teacher training academy we train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately we teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community and we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers a special thanks to our show producer daniel tucker aka spiritual tradie our music composer the one and only ali liberman and all of the one giant mind team